We're in a series, Sacred Rhythms. Everyone say Sacred Rhythms. And the whole point of this series is that we would redeem and reframe some things that we've treated as common and remind ourselves and understand that they are sacred. Anything, what we, for the purpose of this series, we've been defining sacred as anything that is dedicated or set apart for the divine or for God and his purposes. And so sometimes what we do is we look at something that's sacred or for that matter, we know that it's sacred, but it's common to us because we're familiar with it. And what we need to do is remind ourselves, no, this is an important thing. This is a valuable thing. This is a sacred thing, or in our case, a sacred rhythm. And I want to turn your attention today, I'm excited about this, over the, really the next couple of weeks, but today, Psalm 119, and we're going to read verses, we'll start in verse 105. This is the longest chapter in all of the Bible, 176. Does anyone know? 170? Is it 176? I got it right. 176 verses in this. And I got to be honest, try and read it from start to finish. I don't think you can. It really gets repetitive, but we're going to read a few verses. And what I would like for you to do is get ready to write these down. Because I'm going to read a lot of verses to you this morning. It may take up the entire time. So just get ready. You can, you can put your finger in Psalm 119. You can put another finger in John 1, another in 2 Timothy 3, another in Hebrews 4, and another in Ephesians 6, okay? So get ready. I'm going to read fast. Track with me. Your word, Psalm 119 and verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet. And a light on my path. Now, if you grew up in kids' church, this is wrong. You memorized it as thy word. Anybody know it? Thy word. Say it with me if you know it. Thy word is a. So, see, some people are singing. I didn't ask you to sing. But I'm glad you did. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We'll continue. Verse 106, I've taken an oath and I've confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I've suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your law. Though I constantly take my life in my own hands. Anyone ever do that? Just me, okay. I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but... I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart, Lord, is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, John chapter 1, you can write these down. They'll be on the screen if you, you don't have time to turn there. The beginning was the word. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. 2 Timothy 3.16, I'm going to read a couple more at you. 3.16, this is the other good 3.16, all scripture, Pastor Steve referenced this last week, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God, you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture. 
Hebrews 4.12. These are good ones to memorize, by the way. For the word of God is alive and active. Some of you memorized it as the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. The word of God is alive and active. It's a good one to remember. When you read this book, it is not a static book. It is not a book that someone on their, you know, took a few months on a retreat and did a like did some writing sessions and came back with some beautiful literature. This is God's word and it's alive and it's active. If if you don't believe that, I want to encourage you to. Because when you read it, and here's what it says, when you read it, it reads you. There are rare times that I'll read a book and it reads me, but when I read scripture, more often than not, not only am I getting something from it, but it is getting something out of me and exposing it. Don't you love that? That God's like, hey, you're human, and I, I want to remind you and point to what this thing's really about. Now, one last passage, one of my favorite, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, this is the Apostle Paul writing, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, and he'll go through the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace and all of these different things, the shield of faith. And he says, take the helmet of salvation and what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Word of God. One more time, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Now, there are 50 other scriptures I want to read. We don't have time this morning. But here's the theme today that I want us to get. You and I, we need the word of God. We need the word of God. Thank you. We need the word of God. I really need the word of God. I, as a... 38-year-old man, as a father, as a husband, as a human being, as a brother, as a son, as an employee, and every other thing that I relate to in life, I need the Word of God. And I'm going to assume that you do too. But here's the, the, the issue, because there have been t- times in, in church history where when we had the canonized scriptures, um, that access was the issue. Many people wanted scripture, but it had to come through one person. Today, access is not the issue. Appetite is. Today, appetite's the issue. And what I want to talk about is a hunger for the word of God. A hunger for the word of God. If you're taking notes, you can title this, The Hunger for God's Word. You like secondary titles? The rhythm, the result, the resistance, and the reason. The rhythm, the result, the resistance, and the reason. It is a tongue twister. 
talk about the hunger for the word of God. Would you, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Would you pray with me? Would you agree with me as I pray? And I pray that you would open your heart, that the deposit from God's word would land on good soil in you, and that you'd leave with something that is growing in you. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it does not return void. We pray, God, that from your eternal scriptures here, God, the, the ancient text, that there'd be a rhema, a for now word today. Leave us different than we came. And I pray, God, I just believe that there are some dads, some husbands, some spouses, some wives, some young people, God, people who are seasoned, who they love you, but they need a word for today. I pray that you'd speak it in their spirit today, that you'd leave them different. Leave them confirmed, God, that they're right where they need to be. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Anyone, um, raise your hand if you grew up in, in church as a kid. Any kind of church, okay? Uh, I grew up in kids' church. I, my parents were pastors. I've, it's all I've really ever known. And um, I grew up, one of my favorite things um, in, in kids' church was these things called sword drills. Anybody know sword drill? Does anyone want to go? Anyone want to try a sword drill right now? I'll take, raise your hand if you have no clue what a sword drill is. Okay, some of you are like, this is terrifying. Are there swords in the building? No, I left mine in the office. It's okay. I'm not going to go get it. But we did these things called sword drills. It's one of my favorites. And sword drills were you would close your Bible, you get your Bible, and you'd close it. And you couldn't cheat by putting your finger in multiple places which is what we would sometimes try and do. Now, I grew up in Christian school, so I got this often. Ms. Ansotik, you probably did this, right? Do you remember them? Okay. Do you want to you try? You want to? No. So what you would do is you'd have two, you could, you could have ten, you could have a whole class, whole group, whole kids' church, whole youth group. And the sword drill was somebody facilitating would shout out a scripture, and when they say it, whoever can open their Bible and find it the fastest wins. Anyone ever done this? It's actually kind of fun. And so this was one of my favorite things. And I, I was pretty good because I had I, grown up around the scriptures. And I, I just I had a relationship with my Bible. I knew I, I was good at this. I could get to the scriptures the fastest. Now, it never got me any closer to getting a girlfriend in high school. But I was spiritually superior to everybody. <laughs> but in all honesty, I was taught to love the word. I was taught to know the word. Knew the word. And growing up, my, my youth pastor, I found this in, in um, there's a little SpongeBob sticker. I don't know how long it's been in there. But as a, as a ninth grader, we did, he, we did this essentially in, in our tradition, Protestant traditions, catechism is not a normal thing. But we have in effect had a, like a youth catechism where to get to different levels in our youth group, in these meetings, like we would, it's what we would now call student leaders, you had to memorize certain scriptures and doctrinal things. I, I've got one here. It's all the Holy Spirit scriptures. You had to memorize these, right? And, and I, I, I remember wanting to, to get ahead. I, I don't know that I even wanted to know this stuff. I just wanted to, like, get ahead. Here's some of my notes. Still got the same handwriting. And uh, this, is, this is precious to me. But I, I, I remember growing up being taught to memorize verses and doctrines, but there was a threshold in my life 
that I needed to cross, that loving Jesus wasn't enough and knowing scripture wasn't enough. But I needed to get to the place, and my hope for you is that there is a hunger in your soul to continue to grow in what you know. That you would grow in your knowledge of Scripture, not so that you can puff up your mind, but that you would, as Pastor Steve said earlier, be useful. We have a lot of useless Christians who love Jesus, and they know how to lift their hands high in worship. But they are useless when it comes to actually engaging the world that God placed them in, and God desires that you'd be useful. And I actually believe that one of the keys to that usefulness is a hunger for more of God's word. And I want to get to the place in my life where it is not just what I know from previous seasons. It's not just what I know from kids' church, from youth, from Bible college. I did four years of Bible college. And it's not just what I know from that season, but it's actually a hunger for God's word that is keeping me in a place of growing that in the reading of it and in the rhythm of reading it, that it begins to form who I am as a man. It begins to form you. Now, there's a couple key words that I want to give us this morning. I'm going to run through these. The word scripture and then a couple versions of the word word. Now, the word scripture is the word graphe or graphe. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but it's simply a sacred written text. So when Paul tells Timothy, all scriptures God breathed, this is the word he's using. All sacred text, all, all, all text in this context is God breathed. That's scripture. Now, the word rhema, there's two kind of key Greek words and a Hebrew word that I want to focus on. The word rhema is a, is a Greek word. And it's a spoken word or proclamation. It's a living, from a living voice. It's not a static thing. It's a fluid. So when we referenced it earlier, when you need a rhema word, it might be from the written word. It might be from scripture. But it's something that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today for your season right now. And I believe that the nature of God's word in that it is living and active, that there are not just the logos, which we'll get to, but there's the rhema. God wants to actually speak to you as a father, as a mother, as a friend, as an employee, as a person in today's world. God wants to speak to you and wants to lead you. He doesn't just want to have somebody stand up here and tell you. He actually wants relationship with you. And he wants to give you the rhema word that keeps you going for this week. Are you with me? But in order to do that, you got to be able to hear his voice. One of the primary ways that you'll hear the voice of God is now through the logos. In the Greek, it's logos. In the Hebrew, it's dabar. D-A-B-R. I think I have it on the screen. The logos and the dabar both have similar meanings where it's the written word. It's the sum of all things spoken by God. So there's a definiteness to it. There's a finality to it. It is not fluid. So when John says in John 1... In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. That Word is not rhema. Jesus was not meeting a need then. Jesus didn't, you know, morph his way into becoming God. In the beginning, before all time, before you breathed your first breath, before the world existed was already the Word. It was already final then. This should give you comfort. 
God is not a temporary thing. He's permanent, and he existed before you, and he'll outlast you. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created through him. We know that it is Jesus. He, he became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the Word. The finality. The final. Jesus is God. And so what we need to remember as the filter as we look ahead on this message and as we approach God's word is that we understand that the subject, the sum, the substance, the reason, the object, the beginning and the end of this whole thing is not me and it's not you. It's Jesus. The whole point of this thing, the the object of it, the reason for it, the thing that draws you in, the thing that keeps you, not only in your life, but the thing that, is, that this whole thing is about, it's Jesus, not me. And if I'm not careful, I'll approach Scripture, or I'll think about Scripture in a way that is me at the end of it, that it's on the end game, and my flourishing is the end game. And though that may come as a byproduct, it is not the primary reason that I read it. I approach Scripture understanding that in the beginning, was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When we understand that Jesus is the sum and substance of all of this, then this rhythm becomes sacred. Some of us, we've seen the rhythm of reading Scripture as one that is a legalistic weight on us that we don't feel we can bear, and we can't match up, so we feel like we've failed, and we shed it off completely. When we understand that Jesus is he is the living word, that this all points to him. Now I'm reframing, oh, this is sacred. I get a chance to commune with God? This matters a lot. So I want to give us the rhythm today, but not only the rhythm, the result of the rhythm and the resistance to the rhythm and the reason for the rhythm. So number one, the rhythm. I'll give you this. The rhythm is this. You can write this down. The rhythm is the daily reading of God's word. Wow, simple. This is probably perhaps the most important rhythm that you can establish in your life is the daily reading of God's word. More than your workout, more than your protein smoothie, more than your omelet, more than your coffee. I love my coffee. I do my pour over every single morning. And it sustains me. More than your show, more than your routines. It is spending time with God. David says it in Psalm 63. Oh God, my soul thirsts for you. Early in the morning I rise to seek you. Psalm 119, 15. I meditate. I dwell on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Skip to verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. See, David raises the bar. Some of us are trying to get a consistent devotional time like twice a week. And David's like, that's not enough all day long. Meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. And get this. They make me wiser than my enemies. You got enemies. You need the word. I remember... Um, early in youth, I, I, spent, um, I spent four years in Bible college, went to Bible college, and super thankful for my time there. And uh, 
grew up, like I said, in church, grew up in youth group, grew up knowing the word, grew up in a youth group, and I was super thankful for it, and grew up in church as a kid. We're at church many times a week, and so the, the word was just constantly deposited in me. There are scriptures that even to this day, and I, I consider myself, I, I love the Bible and I read it often, um, but even still, there are scriptures I know in, in me that I don't even know where they're from, and they'll pop up, and I remember, like, why do I know that one? Because it was in me as a kid, right? But I spent four years in Bible college without a consistent devotional life. Now, I read scripture, loved God, loved my time there. There were times where I'd have spurts where I was reading the Bible. And I don't know if you, anyone's like this where you'll, you'll spend time away for a long time. So you try and like overcorrect and spend like an hour, nine days in a row. Anyone ever done that? Like you're up at 5 a.m. And, uh, but the, you know, the nine months previous, the earliest you were ever up is like 840. And then you're like, I'm going to fix this. I'm up at 5 a.m. Me and my friend would do this. And we'd drive to our favorite Starbucks like 20 minutes away. And we'd do devotions together. Half the time we're falling asleep because why are we waking up at 5 a.m.? And I remember I spent four years without really a consistent, steady devotional life. And I remember coming back, brand new in youth ministry. And I meet with this youth pastor. He's a legend. And um, a legend in our region. He's now known around the world and and. He's, he's incredible, absolutely incredible. And I, I, I remember I, I visited his youth group with a friend and just to see what was going on. And he invited me, hey, come get coffee with me. So I got coffee with him. And I'm sitting and I'm just kind of picking his brain. What do you do here? What do you do there? What's your system here? Like, how do I be successful as a youth pastor? And he slides across the table a journal with a reading plan. He said, you need to read your Bible. That's all he gave me. Gave me that reading plan. He said, you cannot afford not to do this. And friends, I think we need to understand that it is not legalism. And sometimes what we do is we try and cure, and I want to hit both sides real quick. Sometimes someone's going through someone and we say, well, have you had your Bible lately? Not quite the thing that they need in that moment, but it is the thing that you and I both need. When we understand that it's not about legalism, we understand that it's about my need. What David, what the writers of Scripture understood, what David would say, my soul, God, it thirsts for you. He would say things, if I don't have your word, I've got nothing. It's not about whether you get your streak. And as much as I applaud a streak because it helps you build routines and rhythms and habits, you need that. But it's not about that. It's about your need for the word. Jesus himself would say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What I understand about scripture is that it is God-breathed, that it's alive and active. Therefore, I have to assume that when I read the Logos, I get a rhema. That when I read the Logos, the final word, that God gives me a today word. That I'm, as I'm reading something, it, it speaks to my heart, 
to me as a father, to me as a husband, to me as a believer, to me as a selfish human being. Or it encourages me, it lifts me up, it builds me up, it reminds me that although I've got a ways to go, I've come so far. God's been working on me and he's been developing me and he's saying, I got you. There's nothing that's going to separate you from my love. That's a final word in Romans, but it's a today word for my heart. And when you read the Logos, you get a rhema. This is what Jesus is saying. Man shall not, you, you cannot live only on physical things. You need the rhema. You need the today word that comes from the logos. Can't do this by bread alone. You need God's word. But number two, the result of the rhythm is this. I, get, I love this. The result, the byproduct, the fruit, the lag, you become more like Jesus. So the reason, or the, the rhythm itself is as you daily read God's word, you get a byproduct, you get a fruit, which is you become more like Jesus. Here's what you and I need to understand, be reminded of today, is we are being formed. You're being formed by your cell phone. I'm not here to pick on cell phones. I got mine. Love it. I'm happy about it. I enjoy Instagram. I enjoy playing Boggle every once in a while. Um, I, I read the news. I try and stay up on current events. I try and get multiple sources from the left of me and the right of me, just to, to get a balanced diet of it. And I'm trying to read all of the things from other sources. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm reading all of this, but I recognize at the same time I'm being formed by it. I'm being formed by the news, being formed by social media. I'm being formed when I see on Instagram and I compare myself to others. I'm better than them or they're better than me. And that begins to form me, and what's happening is over time, my neural pathways are being shaped, even sometimes on a minute-to-minute basis. So this ought to freak you out unless you know how to tip the scales. How do you tip the scales? Read the word. And some of us, the simple answer today, start tipping the scales. The answer isn't for you to separate from the world in terms of I'm cutting off my phone because it's evil. Yeah, probably. You can do that. Um, but then there's no one, like, if your grandkids need to call you, they're, they're not, you're gonna have a phone, you need a phone. You gotta stay connected. Truth is, is we're being formed by the things around us, not just your cell phone, not just the news. It's relationships, it's your home, it's your bedroom, it's your, it's every space that you're in. Those things are trying to form you. What do we do? We tip the scales. How do we tip the scales? Daily scripture reading. This is one of the greatest counter, countercultural, counterformational rhythms that you can practice. Center for Bible Engagement did a study. And they found that people who read the Bible four times a week, get this, their feelings of loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped by 32%. Relational strife dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Spiritual boredom dropped by 57%. Watching pornography dropped by 59%. But get this, sharing their faith, 200% growth. 200%. Scripture memorization jumped 400%. Now imagine that compounded over Imagine what could happen. You got a, a habit, 
You got a struggle, you got an anxiety, you got a thing. The, the thing that the enemy wants you to think, and even some Christian leaders, to their shame, sometimes what they're doing is they're trying to get you out from under legalism. And what they do is they give you a back permission, kind of this backdoor permission to not engage in the thing. And what the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of today is it's not legalism, friends. It's you need this thing. You can't survive without it. But when you get it in your spirit, it starts to shape and form who you are and how you see and how you think and how you see the future and how you interpret current events and how you see your neighbor and how you see your struggle and how you see your past. And compounded over time, it begins to shape and to form you. And now those things out there, when they try, you say, nope. I'm going to take the shaping hand of God's voice in my life over the things out there that are trying to make me anxious. When we read the word, we're blessed, Psalm 119, 1 and 2. When we read the word, it begins to be hidden in our hearts and sin begins to fall off, Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11. Our souls are exposed and we find healing, Hebrews 4, 12. We have a weapon to fight back the enemy, Ephesians 6, 17. We're encouraged when we read the word, John 16, 33. We're comforted, Isaiah 41, 10. We have peace, Philippians 4, 8. We hear God's voice, Isaiah 41, 3. We now have hope, Hebrews 6, 19. And in Revelations 21, verse 4, we're reminded that he, at the end of all things, is making all things new. When you remember to read your word, friends, it starts to shape you, and you begin to receive much more than you put into it. That's, the, that's how God works. Why? Because the word of God is living and it's active. Why do I want this? I don't want this from you. Like if you're a leader or you're like a youth leader or you're a volunteer or you're a staff member, sometimes what we do is we would look at, oh, man, if I don't, then I'm going to fail and I, I, I fall short. It's I don't want this from you. I want this for you. I need this for you. You need this for you. This is for you, not from you. God doesn't want you to read this so you can check off a box. God wants this for you because he wants communion with you. He wants to shape you. He wants to form you. He wants to lead you. Number three, though, the resistance to the rhythm. The resistance to the rhythm is this. It's our propensity and desire to wander. Our tendency to wander. It's our need to get out. Here's what happens for every single one of us sitting in this room. Every single one of us watching online. Life. Life. Life happens. Life is tough. Sometimes life is disappointing. When life happens, what do we often do? We let life and the unknown, the unexpected, the failures begin to shape the path that we're on. If kids, that's disorienting. They're crazy. Mine. Burning a lot of calories. Crazy. Works a lot. Finances get tight. Future plans are messy. Feel pain and loss. That coworker's 
giving you more attention than your spouse does because they're consumed by the kids. And all of a sudden, you enjoy the time. You look forward to it, and you start to give your heart, and you, you, you let yourself go a, a little bit. And, and all of a sudden, lust and desire, and what happens is these things that you didn't ask for come into your life, and they attempt to shape the path that you're on. So what do we do? I'm going to invert it for you. Read the Bible. Now, this isn't a once and for all, like, this isn't a fix. Sometimes there are other things that you need to do. Reading the Bible is one of them. But why, why does David say it in this? He says it like this in Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path? Now, you might say, well, I'm not young anymore. Yes, you are. You're still here. You're still breathing. you got life ahead. Therefore, you are young. And how do you stay on the path? How do you stay on the path of purity? How do you stay wholehearted towards God? How do you do it? By living according to his word. Now, accord, that word according means to mirror, to come back to something transcendent, to, to come back and, and kind of anchor yourself to something. And I remember being 19 years old or so, I was 19, and um, without going into details, I don't have time, and I'll invite the band to come forward, but with, uh, I, I was basically feeling some shame. I'd made some mistakes in, in relationships and mistakes in my purity, and I was just feeling like a failure. I was feeling like an absolute total failure. Um, and I felt like what was on me and what I was struggling with was something that was essentially a death sentence. It was, it was, it was the end of me. It was, it was going to have a hold on me for the rest of my life. I remember sitting in my bedroom upstairs in my parents' house, I remember being up there, and I'm just wallowing, discouraged, felt just empty. But in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, get up, dude. And that was it. So I got up, walked over to my computer, opened up my iTunes, and I played this song, this worship song that meant a lot to me that had been really, it was like a soundtrack for a season of my life, and I just put this on. And in my bedroom, by myself, without a band, I just began to worship. And like David, after his failures with Bathsheba, and I'm not comparing my situation to David and Bathsheba, God forbid, but what did it say that he did? He woke up the next morning, took a shower, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Some of us, we need to just get up. Stop wallowing. You know what you need to do? Acknowledge. Sure. Acknowledge where you wandered. Refuse to stay there, though. Did you wander? You've been wandering. You've been sneaking. You've been lying. You've been cheating. You've been doing something that you shouldn't. Friends, some of you, you need to bring in somebody. That's the power of confession. You confess your sins one to another, and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So some of it, it might need to include somebody. But in either way, you get up, say, that doesn't define me. I'm going to acknowledge it for what it is, but I'm going to get back to the path. What's the path? It's God's word. So what do we do? we got to have a path to get back to. And some of us, we were doing okay, but it was random. It was circumstantial. It was seasonal. And I just so happened to feel like I'm doing all right. But then life hits, 
and I'm taken off the path that I didn't even know I'm on. So what do we do? We re-clarify what is the path. I'm going to live and build my life according to this book right here. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to mince words. I'm going to get back to this thing. This is my reason. This is my guide. This is my leader. This is the thing that keeps me going. This is the thing that's drawing me forward. This is it. What do we do? We keep walking. And what do we do? We be encouraged knowing that this is the long game. Tell this all the time to people. Bro, you're playing the long game. So stop wallowing on how you started the race. This is not a sprint. It's not even a marathon. It's an entire life. Keep going. You haven't failed too many times. You haven't messed up too many times. You're not too dark. You're not too broken. So what do you do? Lift off the weights. You know what? I wandered off the path and I find myself on a path that I ought not to be on. I'm going to lift off the weights. I'm going to set them down. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Get back to the path, the author and the perfecter of my faith. And I'm going to follow him. Get back to the path. Live according to God's word. And if you don't know how to do it, start by getting it in you. Get it in you. Memorize it. Get a reading plan. Get in it. Why? Because this is the reason. Number four, the reason for the rhythm, the purpose of it, the motivator behind it. That you would see Jesus. You'd see him. The word, the one who has made flesh and dwells among you and I. There's nothing better sitting sitting on my counter downstairs and I'll open the Bible and I'll be reading and friends I wish this was daily sometimes it's not, sometimes it's a little nugget sometimes it's a little word sometimes it's like ah, it's okay, but the rhythm is what keeps me going, but then there's days where I'm reading a passage and one word just sticks out to me and it lands on my spirit and I'm caught in a revelation of how good God is. It senses presence. He starts speaking to me right then and there about who he is, how he'll never fail me, how he'll always be good, how he will never leave me nor forsake me, how he created me, he designed me, he is restoring all things. At the end of the day, that every knee, mine included, yours included, will bow. And every tongue confess, mine included, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What's the point of this? I already said it. It's Jesus. The point of this, friends, is you can memorize, but it said it would get in here. A lot of us, we know scriptures. We need to get it in here. Some of us, it's probably not a lot of us, honestly. More of us, can I be real? We, we've dismissed our duty to grow in relationship with God and simply made it like, 
oh, well, I, you know, I don't want to be legalistic about it. Or you're afraid that it's going to catch you in your pride and you're not quite lit, ready to stop living the way that you are. And you got to be honest with where you're at today. But if you're willing to get this in you day after day, you can't help but be formed by it. It's going to shape you. It's going to mold you. It's going to tweak you a little bit. It's going to break your back. Went to the chiropractor a few weeks ago, and he hurt me to heal me. This is what it's going to do. It's going to continue to adjust you. You're going to see pride. You're going to see arrogance. You're going to see pain. You're going to be confronted with things that you didn't know were in your soul. Most of all, you're going to see Jesus. It's going to shape you. reason for it all. So maybe today, and I'm going to give you a practical thing as we go. Maybe you felt shame around reading scripture. I want to lift that off you today and invite you into a process, a journey toward knowing God and growing in your relationship with him. And it starts, yes, it's going to include prayer, It's going to include church attendance. Those are sacred. It's going to include the word. And I believe that it's going to flow out of this. As you read this, you pray. Maybe you felt shame. If you felt shame, here's what I want you to do. It's just write in your journal or on your phone, shame off. And be invited into communion with God. That's what he wants for you. He He doesn't need your perfection. He's just inviting you. Would you commune with me? Can I speak to you? Can I speak to you? Can I shape you a little bit? Can I help you with that? Maybe you've lived with pride. And it's the reason you don't read scripture. Because you are your own master. You may not say it that way. But what you put in and what comes out reveals who your master is. So again, shame off, invitation. You need this thing. David would say, as the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. I can't live by bread alone. I cannot live by wisdom alone. I cannot live by money. I cannot live by my own ideals and ideas. I need the word of God every day. I believe that God wants to speak to you. So here's what we're going to do. If you felt shame or pride, would you just clench your fist? I want to pray for you and I want to give you one more thing. Lord, I pray that shame would be lifted off of us and pride would be left behind and that we would respond to the call, the invitation from the one who loved us and the one who loves us to live in communion with you God, I pray that as we step out in faith to read this, some of us, for the first time ever, engaging in in an intentional time to read scripture, that you'd speak to us, that you change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Let me give you something. Um, We made a slide. I think, can we put that last slide up there? And this this is my bonus point. This is the system of the rhythm. Okay, this is what you need. Every single one of you. 
unless you are 90 years into this thing and you've mastered this, everybody else, all the rest of us, we need it. So here's the deal. Here's the how. Set a specific time. If you don't have a time that you aim for, it can't be in the morning. It needs to be 6 a.m. It needs to be 7 a.m. It needs to be 6.40. It needs to be 5.30. It needs to be specific. Now, if you sleep in four minutes, guess what? You still got a true north. You got a path you're coming back to. So set a specific time and don't feel guilty if your schedule makes it easier to do it on your lunch. Met with someone last week. He's got two lunch breaks. He works 15-hour shifts four days a week. Got two lunch breaks. And on both of those lunch breaks, he does his devotions right on. He sets that time and he protects it. It's amazing. This is number two. You need a specific plan. Here's what I do. Our youth, um, I still have a couple of these and I use them um, still. This is the daily reading plan that I use myself every single day. This is my reading plan. I say every single day. I don't want you to think that I've never missed a day. I didn't read my Bible yesterday. I'm gonna be honest with you. Someone said good. No, it's not good. Just being honest with you, I didn't. Okay, but it's, it's a plan to come back to. So you need a specific plan, okay? Some of you, um, you don't have one of these. Start with version. Go on the version Bible app. It's the Bible app on your phone. There are so many plans for every rhythm. They're free. It's amazing. So get one of those plans. Or some of us, here's where you can start. If you're a new believer or you're new at reading scripture, there are 31 days in the month and 31 chapters in Proverbs. So read a chapter a day. That's where you can start. It will change your life. Start there and keep moving. Number three, you need to use a specific method. And this is the greatest thing that changed my life. When Chad, that youth pastor, he slid a journal across the table, said, use this, and he gave me a method. I'd never heard it before. It's called the SOAP method. How many of you have heard of SOAP? It stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And that simply means you you read the scriptures, grab one verse that sticks out, write it down. What do you notice about it? The, the, the observation, what are you seeing? What's the author writing? What, what, what's the tone? What do you notice? And then application, how can you apply it to your life today? And then P for prayer, spend a minute in prayer. Write it down, walk around your house, spend the day meditating on it. Whatever you need to do, just pray. And in that method, that's something to come back to, okay? And then lastly, that's my method. There's so many other methods you can use, okay? But you gotta start somewhere. And then fourth, this is it. Commit to it. Commit to it. Don't make excuses. Commit to it. Get in the word daily. And you know what? If you aim for seven and you get four, you're doing pretty good. But if you aim for one and you, I mean, like, let's go. Start somewhere. Get a rhythm. Commit to it. And if that rhythm doesn't work, Make an adjustment. Get back to it. Why? It's because you need the word of God. And when you read the word of God, the goodness of God begins to chase after you. Amen? Would you stand with me all over the room? We were going to sing a song, but we're out of time. Who would have thought? I'd never go over. Our prayer partners are going to be up front. Some of you, the step that you need to take is get a Bible today. They'll give you one. We got, we got plenty of Bibles for you. Some of you to go to Barnes & Noble, get one with your name engraved. Is Barnes & Noble still around? Right? Okay. Amazon, whatever you need to do. Buy one that you like. Get a relationship with your Bible. Some of you, the step that you need to take is begin a journey with Jesus. Say yes to him.
So let me pray for you as you go. And if that's you, come and find one of our prayer partners. We'd love to pray with you, walk with you, help you to take your next step. And uh, God's gonna begin to form us and shape us, amen? Would you put your hand on your heart as we go? Lord, thank you for your word that it does not return void. So God, I pray for every heart in here that there was something that you wanted to speak to me and to us this morning. Would you begin to just by your spirit saturate us and marinate that over the week and over the months to come and that this would be a catalyst to bring us not into better rhythms because then we're smarter, then we're more knowledgeable, that, that we would know you more and become more like you so that the world would know that you are God and you are good. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen.